0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, praise to be the King of Kings, you are my everything, and I will adore you, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, I thank you uh, for this night, for your invitation to come to spend time with you, to experience this incredible mystery of the Father's love, God's plan of salvation for each one of us. I thank you for these people gathered here today. For Lord, like that of Mary, they have heard your invitation and they have said yes. Just simply to come and to be present. To hear about the Father's love which you, Lord Jesus, reveal. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill the hearts with your faithful, and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. O God, who has taught the hearts of the faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant that by the gifts of the same Spirit, we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation through Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 Please be seated. Again, I wanted to thank Maggie Sowers for uh, leading us in some music tonight. Uh, she'll be back uh, at the end to, uh, to do some more uh, singing, so just uh, let her out, huh? Let that spirit move uh, tonight. And so I, I wanted to welcome Susan Safford, uh, who's our first uh, presenter, and she's going to talk about God's love. And so let us welcome Susan.
1: Good evening. Good evening. Praise be Jesus Christ. It is good to praise the Lord. Uh, tonight uh, I'm here to talk to you about God's love and um, that's really a pretty broad, <laughs> a pretty broad topic, God's love. Um, but it's the starting place, isn't it? Right? That God is love and and um, you know, when I was a kid, uh, I learned in school, in CCD classes, that God is love. They taught me that. It might be the only thing I remember from CCD, but I remember that. Um, but most of my life, you know, I really had no idea what that, what that means, and I still, to this day, I don't always relate to God like a God of love. You know, like, he's, like he loves me, and he acts out of love. And when you think about it, you know, all the, there's all these different religions around the world and and um, a lot of them have ideas about God, about their God or different gods that they created people for different reasons to be servants or slaves or to work right, and you, so you hear about this when you read about, but our God <laughs> the God the one and only true God he creates us simply out of love right, for no other reason but that love opened his heart, right? The Catechism says the key of love opened up God's hand and love poured out, right? That this is, the, and, that, and that creation came forth from that. Like he created us completely out of love, which means that um, as much love as you've felt for anyone ever, right? And think about that. As much love as you've ever felt for anyone ever, God outdoes it, right? Not all the time. All the time. He outdoes it. He outdoes it every day, always, in every moment. And even when I'm sinning, right? Even when I'm sinning. I, there's a little kid who asked the question, Where's God when I'm sinning? Well he have this image that like he's got his back turned on us and I have to fix myself. I have to get this I have to get my act together, right, before so that I can approach God. <laughs> But the reality is that even when I'm sinning, what's he doing? He's pouring out love. He's pouring out his love. So that I'll, yes, turn away from sin because just like you don't want your kid to, you know, burn himself on the stove. You don't want him to stop putting his hand there, right? That's all that he does is out of love. And that's his only purpose in creating you and me is love. And I'll be honest with you, I don't think I live like that on a regular basis. I don't live like the God, the God I know, the God who created me is acting in my heart in this moment out of love. And and I want to go further to say this that he pursues you. Right? He's pursuing you. He's not waiting for you by the door. Do you know what I mean? He's not waiting for you. He's pursuing you. He's after your heart in all the things that he does all the time mostly we don't hear him or don't listen or you know are focused on something else or myself but he is pursuing you I mean really think about that really pray with that he's pursuing you right now (laughs) he's pursuing you Um, I just heard a homily recently uh, where the priest said you know um, the women come to the empty tomb, right? After Easter, they come to the empty tomb, and uh, the angel, they see the angel, and the angel says to them, you know, uh, that he is risen, and go, and you're supposed to go tell the others, right? To, that he'll see, he'll meet them in Galilee. And then they turn around, and then there's Jesus, and he tells them the same thing, right? He tells them the same exact thing. Go tell my brothers, I'll see them in Galilee. He doesn't tell them anything new. So why does he do it? Um, this... Uh, the The idea that he's just looking for a reason to meet them, right, to be with them. He's looking for an excuse because he's pursuing them. He's pursuing them. Um, God's purpose in creating us is out of love, and, and then he becomes a man out of love, right, Total, completely out of love. And he dies out of love. He dies for us. Now, I know you've all heard this. This isn't news to anybody, right? But, the, but let the reality of it <laughs> sink in, right? I had a professor who once said, it's like this, imagine you had an ant farm and you loved your ants mm-hmm. so much,
0: but your ants
1: <laughs> rejected you, turned away, and the only way to save your ants was to become an ant, and the other ants were gonna kill you, right? And not just, not just for a short time, but you're gonna be forever an ant. And that's the only way. I wouldn't do it. I'm not going to lie to you. I wouldn't do it. But that's God, right? I mean, he is so much greater than us, and we are greater than ants, and yet this is what he does. And he doesn't become a man just for 33 years on earth. He is forever united to his human nature, right? Forever. Because he wants to be with you and me, right? He wants to be with us. Um, And he comes in our weakness and in our poverty. Okay, I want to read to you. This is, from, uh, this is from Luke chapter 4. This is um, the temptation in the desert. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit for 40 days in the wilderness, tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will give his angels charge of you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Jesus had the power, right, to make the stones into bread. He had the power to jump down off of the pinnacle of the temple. But he doesn't do it because this is where he joins us, right, is in our poverty and in our weakness, he joins us here. He wants to be one of us. He wants to be associated with us. He wants to be identified with us. Weak, incapable, right? Human beings that we are. That's what he chooses. He chooses weakness, not power. And we spend our lives striving after power, right? But the Lord is showing us a different way, a better way, right? A way of childlike dependence on God and that's what he that's this is and this is out of love Uh, have you ever seen the movie um what dreams may come uh, it's an old movie with Robin Williams, uh, Terrible Theology, I don't recommend it, uh, but <laughs> but I want to uh, share with you something that's really profound that they do in this movie, that um, the story goes, uh, Robin Williams uh, meets his, his wife, and uh, they get married, they fall in love, they get married, they have two children, and the children are killed in a car accident, and um, she, his wife... Uh, has a total breakdown She, she it's so it's so painful to her and so sorrowful and she's committed to an institution because she's just completely she can't handle it she can't deal with it and uh her husband uh goes and visits her every day he visits her here and he keeps trying to but everything he tries everything he tries she just gets mad at him and pushes him away right she just gets angrier and angrier and he doesn't know what to do, and so finally he just says, "I don't know what else to do, so I—I I guess I'll just join you here." And she starts—that's when she starts to get better—is when he just joins her, just joins her, there in this place. And then uh, at the end of the movie, there's a whole. Then he's killed in a car accident, and he goes to, uh, and he goes to. Um, I'm not sure, heaven in the movie, but uh, he goes <laughs> to an afterlife. He goes to an afterlife, and, um, and now she's, she's really depressed, and she commits suicide. And uh, in the movie, then, they say all suicides go to hell. This is not what we believe, right? Okay, so, so but she goes, she goes to hell. And so um, he says, well, I'm going to go get her, <laughs> right? I'm going to go get her. And they say, well, you'll lose your mind there. You'll lose your mind. You won't know who you are. Uh, you won't be able to come back. Um, but he goes anyway. He goes anyway, right? And he goes down there, uh, and she doesn't recognize him. She doesn't know who he is. She doesn't know what he's talking about. He keeps trying to convince her, and then and he realizes it isn't working. And so he says, "Well, then I guess I'll join you. I'll just join you here." And then he starts to. But that's when she recognizes him. When she when he says, "I guess I'll just join you." Okay, theology aside, <laughs> right? I just set that aside. But the beauty of it is this is what the Lord does, this is what God does, right, he just joins us in our poverty, and in our weakness, and he embraces all of it, because he wants to be associated with us, identified with us, and how often do we not want to be identified with the person that we think is, right, not enough, or not, you know, whatever, not fill in the blank, right, but this is exactly where he comes, he comes exactly to this spot in our weakness, um, And in joining us, then, in joining us, he wants an intimate, close, personal relationship with us, right? He wants uh, to be intimately. He wants us to know him, right? He knows us intimately, and he wants us to know him. And um, St. John Paul II said um, that God reveals man to man himself, right? That he first reveals us ourselves to us he reveals me to me so that i know because he knows me better than i i know he, right he knows me better and then in that revelation he reveals himself to us and so we see like all these covenants right in the old testament all the all of that is god trying to show us that he loves us he's trying to reveal the promise of his love and give us confidence that he is faithful no matter what right no matter what he is faithful um over and over again right no matter what the israelites do all the crazy stuff they do all the walking away they do he is always there and that's how he is for you and me in my personal life right he is always there no matter what i do no matter where i go no matter he is And he, so he, so all of his revelation, all of this revelation throughout history is all about, he wants us to know and have confidence in the tremendous love, right? The tremendous love that he has, so much so that it's culminated, right, in the new covenant with Jesus Christ, that he, now he comes himself to be with us, to be one of us, and dies for us on the cross so that we can be perfectly united to him, right? God became man so that men might become gods, that we might now enter into his divinity, right? He shared in our humanity so that we can enter into div- You ever think of it? D- Peter s- says this in his letter, right, that he wants us to be partakers of the divine nature. Partakers of the divine nature. Partaker, are you hearing me? Partakers of the divine nature. Right? Don't let those words just roll off. Um, that, that I, we have no, right, eye has not seen nor has ear heard, nor has it so much as dawned on man what God has for those who love Him. Okay, really, like <laughs> it hasn't so much as dawned on you. And I think I can imagine a lot of happiness, <laughs> right? But He's—it hasn't even dawned on you what I have prepared for you. has not even dawned on you. It's not even that—that's the the de- the height okay. and the depth and the length and the breadth of the love of God. And He begins this relationship with us through the sacraments. That's so where it starts, right? Um, in a really profound way it starts in the in the sacraments um, particularly in baptism confirmation holy communion Um, God gave us the sacraments right and yes God gave us the sacraments right we didn't make them up we didn't invent them God gave us the sacraments and he gave them to us for one reason you know why he gave them to us because he wants to be with you he wants to be with us and this is where how he comes to be with us so entering into us through baptism right and he uses all these tangible signs because we're weak human beings and we need tangible we need the we need, and we're made to be material beings the material is not bad the the my physical body right is not bad and so he comes through water and through oil right and through the words of his minister and he comes he affects those words in reality, right—that this is really what happens. They're not just nice words. They're not just fun actions. There's a reality of the divine and eternal God entering into the soul of the one who is baptized. Right? That should blow you away, right?
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and and we we do, like we sort of treat it like oh yeah that was nice that's an everyday thing that God right God is coming into you through baptism and present in my soul. And in confirmation, right? I already have the Holy Spirit, but I have the gift of the Holy Spirit in me. And now in confirmation, he's going to stir up those gifts that he gave to me. He's going to enliven them in my heart. He's going to make them stronger. He's going to increase them because it's not enough for him. He wants more, right? He wants more. And he wants more for me. Right? He, wants to, he wants me to be more fully his and then feeds us on this journey by union with Christ through holy communion. And this is, again, like, I, I know I'm not telling you anything new, right? I'm not telling you anything new. But really, like, God loves us so much that he decided to become a weak human being like me for all eternity. And, and he dies on the cross and he rises again. And that would be enough. Wouldn't that be enough, right? But he goes further and comes to us in the form of bread and wine, right? Bread and wine. Bread and wine. The living God in bread and wine. I did, am I emphasizing this enough for you? Yeah. Right? <laughs> in bread and wine. So why does he do that? Why? Why? And 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 in in a way that... that People ignore him, abuse him, abuse him in the sacrament, right? And, or, or are simply indifferent to him. And yet he still comes, right? He still comes in the form of bread and wine. Bread and wine. I'm not going to become an ant, right? <laughs> so, so that he can be with you, so that, so that I can consume him and he can dwell in me. Every day I have this opportunity to be in such an intimate union with Christ, with Jesus Christ. And I don't think about it sometimes. I, sometimes I don't think about it. The sacraments are the, just the most profound gift, right, of the, the way that God, God is offering us something like an opportunity here to be with him. And, I wa- and he says, I want to be with you. I want to be with you. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get you. <laughs> whatever it takes. I'm going to become one of you. I'm going to come in bread and with the form of bread and wine. And even though, even though people mistreat me, I'm coming anyway. I want to be with you that badly. Right? It doesn't matter. Um, these weeks, so these weeks are not about getting something new. You know what I mean? These weeks of the life in the spirit, it's not about getting something new. It's about receiving and living more fully what you have already been given in the sacraments. The Holy Spirit who already dwells in you, who is already at work. It's about being more open to receive the gifts of God, the way that and is stirring up and enlivening in my heart of the gifts that He has already given. Um, and so so we're gonna be praying for a greater openness uh, to receive more of Him to live it out more fully, in a more, in a more intimate, in a more personal relationship with him, to go deeper, which is why it doesn't matter where you are when you show up here, right? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you are. Um, you could be far along the pathway. You could be baby steps at the beginning. It doesn't matter. Because it's all about going deeper and receiving more, uh, receiving more of the Lord. Uh, in whatever way, he wants to give himself to each one of us. In whatever way he wants to give himself to each one of us in to be more personally united to us Um, and that means um, it could be in big and startling ways (coughs) but it could also be in small or subtle ways that you don't maybe even notice by the end of this seven weeks but I guarantee you this he is going to work he's going to work Um, and so come with a great expectation of the work of the Lord, what he will do, right, a great expectation. He's going to work. I know this because he's already at work. He's already at work in every one of us here, right? He's already started it, and maybe he started it 50 years ago, (laughs) you know, right? He's already started that work, um, and he's going to continue to work because his longing is so great. His love is so great that there is nothing you can do. There is nowhere you can go where he won't be trying to draw you closer, and so it's all about for us recognizing it, right? It's taking the time to stop and hear him, and receive him, and pray for that. Um, so ultimately, it's all about what what draws us closer to him and helps us to grow in him and to grow in charity. So, like I said, that could be you know it could be a big you know knock off your horse like St. Paul. Okay, there wasn't a horse, but you get my <laughs> idea. And, and, or, or it could be right, the whisper of, that Elijah heard, right? It could, be, it could be anything. So be full of expectation that he's at work and he will come to you, but let go of expectations about how that's going to happen, right? Or in what way you want to receive it. I mean, you can express it, right? Lord, I really would like this right? <laughs> Ask him for what you desire. But let go of expectations about what he wants to do or what that's going to look like. And know that he is at work. I know it. I know it. Because I know his love, right? I know his love. And so there is nothing, if, if nothing stopped him from becoming a man, and dying on the cross, and rising again, and nothing stopped him from coming to us in the form of bread and wine, despite all of our weaknesses and all of our you know, the failures, right? If nothing stops him from that, nothing will stop him from working in your heart in <coughs> profound ways. Nothing. And so I, my, I hope myself um, to, to be, uh, to abandon myself more fully to him. I want to, that's my prayer. You can pray for me <laughs> if you like. My prayer is to abandon m- myself more fully to him. Uh, and to receive more completely whatever he wants to give me uh, so that I can let him work however he wants to work. Amen?
0: Amen? Amen. you, Susan. Uh, as part of our uh, evening, there will always kind of be a presentation, and then there will be a witness speaker uh, to give testimony. And so I'd like to invite our first uh, witness speaker, uh, Marcy Har- Hobby, if you would come up and share your uh, story with us. Welcome. And I want to say thank you, Susan. Um, I just
2: want to say ditto. Um, I wish that could just be all I say and sit down. Um, (laughs) Thank you for coming. And I can't tell you what an experience you're going to receive in all of this. And I'm just so excited for all of you to be here tonight. Um, When Father Mark asked me to um, get up and share a little bit about my life and my testimony with the love of God, I laughed. I said, are you kidding? I can't do that in five or ten minutes. Um, I need weeks, really. Um, That is such a big, big thing to try to cover. Um, And like Susan said, God's love is huge. It's huge. Um, He's been at work in all of our lives. And for me personally, um, I really realized at one point we're all created out of love for a purpose, for a reason. And I started realizing that when we're born, we know what love is. And then words are spoken over us, whether it's from our parents, doctors, siblings, teachers, coaches, friends, even our own self-talk. And then you have the voice of the world or the voice of Satan You know, there's always these voices and all these words that are spoken over us telling us who we are or who we should be. So by the time you're 10, 15, maybe 20, sometimes it's a little confusing. Um, For me, that was the case. Um, I knew I was loved, but those voices, I, I wanted so badly to be perfect so that God could really love me. Or at least look perfect or appear perfect so that I'd be good enough for God to love me. And I was always loved. God never stopped loving me. And that's the beautiful part of the story. He doesn't love me because of any reason of anything I do or anything I didn't do. And he's not gonna love me any more than he does right this very minute. And so, for me, my story, um, I went through a lot of stripping. Um, I was put into a place where I was stripped to barely anything. Um, I had a son that was, when he was two and a half years old, he was born with a heart defect, and when he was two and a half years old, he went through all these medical emergencies and ended up in a place that I had never been to before and in this hospital where they were looking us in the eye saying, he's just not going to make it. This is too bad. We can't fix it. We don't know what to do. And in this story, we held on and prayed and prayed and people were praying for us, with us. and those five months of being stripped and taken into a hospital room that I never left for five months and watching my son literally die multiple times where they would flatline and they say, time of death, wait a minute, wait a minute, time of, wait a minute, okay, wait, <clears throat> he's coming back. We went through that multiple, multiple times and the power and the love of God was so big and so strong in those times. We had people, wonderful people that did the kindest things for us. God showed himself through people, through events. Um, I, I was telling the story yesterday. We Somebody in Germany had heard Michael's story and heard that he was dying and suffering. and. So they had a little coffee shop, and they decided, let's send that family some money just to help pay for the medical bills. Now, how they heard about our story in Germany, I'll still never know. But for those five months, they gave 10% every day of what they made in their coffee shop. And after my little Michael received his miracle, we got a check in the mail. I think it was like $10,000 saying, here, I hope this helps pay for some of the medical. Um, long story short, my sweet son, Michael, was able to receive a, a miracle it went through a heart transplant. Before they gave him his heart transplant, they pulled us aside and they said, we usually don't transplant kids with their antigens over 10 or 15 because the body usually rejects it. His antigens are 98, and I just want you to know, this might not work, but we're going to try well, he's 12 and a half. Henri is all get out and um, plays hockey, and he's never, ever had any rejection. Praise God! I was gonna say knock on wood, and I was like, that's not right. <laughs> but um, then the, the but the stripping kept going, and we also had another little baby, and his name was Tommy, and he was born with Down's, and his story, um, he was perfectly healthy and perfect. He was perfect. And yet he had developed a seizure disorder and he was mistreated. And because of some of the things that happened, he died unexpectedly. So in this stripping place and knowing how kind people were and the many, many gifts that we received through God's love. And I'm not saying that it was easy. I'm not saying that I went in there going, oh, God's, God's great. But God was great in that. And by the grace of God, we never did lose our faith. We had priests that came every day to give us communion, every day to anoint my precious little children. Those were the graces that kept me afloat. Those were the graces that God said, I love you. I love you, I'm here, I'm not giving up on you, I'm right here, and I'll never leave you. And after my son died, we tried to be normal, we tried to get back into the normal world and go to the, the heartbeat of the world and do what we were supposed to do, but we couldn't. Our lives had been shaken, and um, we were trying to be what everybody wanted us to be, and what we thought we should be, but we couldn't. So we pulled out, actually, we didn't pull out. God pulled us out from so many things in life. He pulled us out from the activities that we were so consumed in. Um, He pulled us out from the school system at the time. He pulled us out from all these things that we were doing and loving, but it wasn't a healing place for us. And he pulled us into a really quiet place. During that time of quiet peace and where we were kind of not isolated but removed, um, we started trying to figure out who is God and who am I to God. So we started homeschooling at that time, and I had lots of little kids that didn't um, read or write yet. But every day at 3 o'clock, we would have tea time with Jesus. And... um, It was a time where we'd set the table and we'd get our favorite snacks and favorite beverages and we'd set a place for Jesus and we'd fill the table with lots of crayons or papers and Bibles and journals and um, just things that we could use to try to learn to listen. And because I had little kids that couldn't read, um, they would just draw or we'd start with prayer and sometimes it'd be a rosary or part of a rosary or a chaplet, During that time when we were listening and reading from the Bible or just journaling, it was really interesting to see that the voices of the world didn't often, they weren't often kind, they weren't often the truth. And so learning how to just be quiet and still, for me I would do God letters. I would just write, Dear God, I'm really having a hard time. I don't know why I'm here and doing homeschool because I don't know anything about chemistry. And I can't (laughs) even possibly teach my older daughter anything about this. And it was a time of emptying out for myself. I would just pour it all out. I could be real with my father. I could be real. I could say, I'm scared. I'm mad. I'm joyful. I'm so excited. And then I could just sit back and listen. And it was in that time of just listening that he revealed how much he loved me. He loves all of us. He wants to talk to all of us. And he does. But we have to let him. We have to open our hearts and receive his love. And as that time progressed and we spent more time trying to listen, to who am I compared to what everybody else says I should be, um, we really realize that we're quite different than we thought we were. And I have six children and none of them are alike, and yet they're all this very similar, but they're all so very, very, very different. And the gifts and the joy that I receive from watching them be who they really were created to be blows me away. And I can't imagine how God must feel when he looks at us and he says, "Oh, I created you, and you're doing such a great job. Just keep going." And for me, I kept thinking that if I just did this rosary, if I just did this, if I just did that, God would be proud of me. Now, doing those rosaries and ch- and doing the things that I was supposed to do, yeah, it makes me a better person. I'm not saying that I'm gonna get to heaven because I'm doing it, but it gives me time with him. And it creates a space where I can let my heart pour out to him. But I also have to sit back and listen, listen. And if I have a hard time listening, all I have to do is open up the Bible and read it. And he tells me I'm the beloved child, that he loves me, that he came for me. And in that time for me, the part that blew me away was how ridiculous the stories in the Bible are. (laughs) I mean, they're crazy, and they make no sense, and yet they make perfect sense. And you can look at a movie made in Hollywood, like Star Wars or whatever, and they're great stories, but they're not real. You take a virgin, and she's pregnant with god that's the craziest story ever (laughs) and it's the most beautiful story and i feel like god wants to do these ridiculous amazing stories in all of our lives we are part of the bible stories too all we have to do is say yes all we have to do is say i am your handmaid i mean i think of gideon you know, how ridiculous. He goes around blowing a trumpet and um, he loses all of his, he doesn't even have any soldiers. And he goes from, what was it, three million or whatever to three, 30 people. I can't remember the whole story, but all he does is blow his trumpets and he does his thing and he wins the battle. That's what God does. God takes a little story of our lives. He cares that much about our our lives, and all he does is says, Can I come in? Because I want to do some ridiculous, crazy things in you. I want you to just say yes, and I want to overshadow you with the Holy Spirit. I want your lives to just be zapped. I want you to know how much I love you. So, for this experience, I just challenge you and ask you please open your hearts to receive receive the love that God has for you know that he loves you just because you're you not because of anything you do but just because you're you and I ask you and challenge you as you receive that love also try to bless others let that just pour out from you and bless the people that you come in contact with because that's how we start this world on fire it's through his love And as we receive the Holy Spirit in these next coming weeks in a fresh new way, He wants to use us. So put your seatbelts on and get ready, (laughs) because it's a beautiful, fun ride. Thank you so much for being here.
0: Thank you, Marcy, for that uh, beautiful uh, testimony. Um, God is going to do amazing things for us, and we just say how. Say yes to it. And sometimes it's ridiculous, but it's so beautiful. Uh, and so uh, I'm just excited um, that you're all here, that you're, you're opening your heart uh, to him in a more, um, in a new way, perhaps. Um, so uh, part of our, our, our weekly uh, gatherings for the next seven weeks is to split up into small groups. Uh, and we're going to split it up by gender-wise, uh, male-female separate. Uh, there's only going to be about three or four of you or five of you in a, a group. There'll be a, a facilitator there that will kind of help to have the questions. Uh, and so uh, I just ask you to, uh, and Randy's going to explain that to us, but you need to be back in this room uh, at 8.20. Uh, so I'd give you about uh, 25, 30 minutes as part of small group. Randy.